Hey, welcome to Flipping the Field, the college football podcast about all of college football. I'm Patrick Mayhorn. I'm joined by Ryan Donnelly, who is, I'm hearing reports, he is our nation's most quirked up white girl. Ryan, how do you how do you respond to these allegations? I mean, I am, frankly, I'm a quirked up shorty. Yeah. Um, I'm basically, I'm Maddie from Euphoria. Okay. Um, uh, I'm the number one Jack Harlow fan uh, on the internet. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, <laughs> and... I do uh, have several NFTs that I'm waiting to launch of like Cardell Jones soy facing. That's something that Kirk Barton said. Yeah. Um, and I think uh, it's about ready to make the college football internet uh, go crazy. Sure. You're, you're ready to get, uh, you're, you're ready to mint your NFT so that you can get just like specific, you know, uh, like NIL, not even people who are responsible for it, just kind of, you know, NCAA, you know, like, guys who make sure that they're not breaking the rules, you're going to get those guys fired. You're going to get them out of there. They're the reason. Oh, no, I'm going to make NFTs of them. Okay, yeah, and then you're going to use the money <laughs> to get them fired. You're going to buy information about them on the dark web um, and make sure that they can no longer hold your favorite teams back by making sure that they don't get in trouble with the NCAA, which is the one thing holding everyone's favorite team back. It is the NCAA compliance officers within your school. You should right, find yeah, their... and you should you should lead a public harassment campaign yes. against them. You should tar and feather them. <laughs> uh, the guy who makes like seventy thousand dollars a year and is like hired <laughs> by the university, you're definitely the problem. Is him for sure. 100%. Yes, you need to know that guy's name. It's important. It's critical even that you know that guy's name. Your your team's chief compliance officer. That you know who he is and that you hate him and that you you know have information about him that will lead to his arrest. Um, and, and, you know, if you, if it just so happens that it's a weird coincidence that you've like led public, uh, you know, harassment <laughs> campaigns of basically every other highly ranked black official around the highest of <laughs> football too, who's not a coach, who's nice to you. That's just uh-huh. a coincidence. And you shouldn't, you shouldn't think anything about that. And like, also the, commit- if you're a guy who just spends 20 hours a year or per month posting about how much Gene Smith, Doug Archie and, uh, Michael Drake suck, mm-hmm. there's, there's, you shouldn't take any lessons about that about yourself. No. And also, Ke- and also Kevin Warren, it, it's, I, I think it's, it's cool to do oh, that. Good one. I to, forgot to, about that. To yeah. be, those are your four guys that you really don't like. Um, anyway, if you couldn't tell, we're talking coaching picks this week. We're talking. Uh, we're going back to the beginning. I think this is the first episode of the show. Um, honestly, the best way for us to prove we're just not an Ohio State podcast is to always do a cold open, essentially just making fun of people on Ohio State Twitter. Uh, and it's all, all of the, our fans who are yeah. who root for Indiana or Northwestern. They love that. They um, do love that. I mean, I'm sure it happens everywhere, right? <laughs> this is not just a thing that happens at uh, at the school that I'm exposed to every day. This is a... uh they're doing this at Stanford. They're doing this at USC. <laughs> they're doing this at you know Boise State. They're doing this everywhere. This is a thing that every no, at Stanford fan they're does. like they're like getting mad that their like director of swimming is like a fake bisexual or whatever. They're like calling him. Uh, <laughs> they're calling him. They're calling him Palo Alto Caleb. Palo mm-hmm. Alto Caleb. Sure. Uh, he's the guy who's like their assistant head coach is like a six foot five ex swimmer. Yeah. And he's on Hinge matching with women and asking them where their favorite uh, California sushi rolls are. Yeah. Uh, and when they tell him. Uh, he ghosts them immediately and then unghosts them to just send unsolicited dick pics. Mm-hmm. It's a big problem at Stanford. It's happening a lot yeah, over there. This is and, huge. I mean, this, that's why they cut all those sports a- last year because these coaches, they just kept <laughs> doing that. They cut all the sports because all the, the assistant coaches aren't cut. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. <laughs> Vanderbilt fans are, are posting about how their compliance director isn't good enough. He's not doing a good enough job. He's not He's not being in, is strict enough in enforcing. They saw a player that was eating a free ice cream cone a couple of days ago, and they were very upset about that. Um, I, it's it's a and this is a common experience. Everybody is is having this exact thing happen to them, and they are being forced to look at it uh, for their job every day. Um, and I, right. I, I think that we're just relating to the people. I don't think that this is niche at all. I think that it's just uh, it's a common experience. <laughs> yeah, they were actually talking with us on Euphoria this week. <laughs> is that a, okay? <laughs> I, I need to. Add, I I got a note. Do you actually watch Euphoria, or are you just? I have seen the first season. I'm not currently watching the second one. Uh-huh. Um, uh, look, I'm not going to pretend that I- I'm watching it for the most uh, just 20 something white guy reason, which is that Sydney Sweeney's very hot. Uh-huh. Um, and I think that's okay to say. Okay. I, I, um, I have not watched <laughs> Euphoria. And from what I'm not I- going to be canceled for that. I refuse to allow myself to be canceled for saying that Sydney Sweeney's hot. Isn't the show about high schoolers? 
<laughs> okay. <laughs> I don't think that's important to get into when we know the age of the real actors. Uh huh. I mean, it could be she could be any age. She could be, you know, it's uh, it's impossible to say how old <laughs> actors are. From all I have gathered, it it seems like that show is for pedophiles. So I am going to mark you off as it's that. It's definitely a, to, uh, <laughs> it's it's not a it's not a show. I uh, if you would not have asked me directly in the podcast, it's mm-hmm. not a show I would admit to and watching in public. <laughs> if not, if not, uh, if not directly prompted to do so. Oh man. Man. Well, that's good. Um, anyway, we're that's going- journalism, though, Patrick. That's, that's why. That's yeah. why uh, you're the head editor of Buckeye Sports Bolt and that's, soon to be the right. New York Post. Yeah, uh, you're you're getting the New York Post that editor mm-hmm. job. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> uh, what are they at the office? Anyway, how about those coaches, huh? Yeah. How about those coaches? We're going back to the beginning here. We're doing our favorite hires of the cycle, our least favorite hires of the cycle, and our guys. We love our guys, and we've got plenty of them. We're going to do. Um, within each category, favorite head coach, favorite coordinator, and favorite assistant hire, um, and then obviously least favorite and our, our guys. And folks, that is that does mean that we have opinions on at least 18 coaches, um, 12 of which are not head coaches, which is, I think, a, a reflection on us as people probably as as uh, you know what we what we choose to do with our time that we have opinions on say, the Tulane no, offensive it's, it's coordinator. It's because we've got that dog in us. We've yeah, got that we've, dog. Patrick. We've got that dog in us. Um, we're also going to do for the first time here, and this is a. I, I think this is actually something that only we do as a podcast. I don't think any other podcast has ever done this. Um, we're going to <laughs> we're going to read from an article that a uh, a pundit has 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 written, a college football pundit, um, and we're going to call it. It's a sort of a series of of reading that we're going to do. We're going to you know, keep this up throughout the off season. We're going to call it a reading series of sorts. And I, I think that that's, uh, again, that's exclusive to flipping the field. Nobody else has ever done this or even thought about doing it. Mm-hmm. Um, so we're going to get into that after we have gone through our guys and our uh, anti guys, the guys that we don't like, but before we do that, also, you forget the part where we, we do, we do treat all of our guys as big action figures and we're uh-huh. going to make them fight. The <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. yeah. We've, uh, we've actually, we, 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 <laughs> We have actually minted NFTs of all these coaches too, and we're going to be selling those on uh, on, on the, the 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 official flipping the field store storefront, um, which I don't I, I don't have a joke for, but you can plug one in wherever you wherever you want. I, I don't. Also, I have bad news for you, Pat. Yeah. Um, I am I'm just browsing Instagram when we do the podcast, like I usually do, and I am seeing that Future has changed his profile picture mm. to an, uh, an NFT ape. Oh, well, that's that's not good at all. I also have bad news. I actually live atop a tree in the rainforest, and I can hear the the <laughs> sort of construction getting closer and closer here. Um, and as it as it does approach, I see more of these NFT, these little monkey coins popping out of the back of it. And I can hear every day that they are approaching, and I, I fear that my, my habitat will soon be destroyed. <laughs> all right cool so anyway why is joe moorhead your favorite hire of the cycle dude joe moorhead rocks joe moorhead is awesome this is like akron hired joe moorhead are you kidding me akron is is a is a disastrously bad job has essentially no history of being good ever and landed one of the more highly touted offensive coordinators of the cycle to be its head coach seemingly just because he likes the area I mean, this is a man who likes Akron. He, the guy who coached Saquon Barkley and Trace McSorley to that that 2016 Penn State offense, and and to a lesser extent the 2017 offense, wanted to go to Akron, and they immediately. Speaking lo- of, are are you more of a Freddie Steakburgers guy or a Swenson's guy? Um, probably Swenson's. I don't think I've had the other one, but I I think I have had mm. Swenson's. Um, but Joe Moorhead wanted to be in the area, wanted to coach Akron, which is insane, just an insane idea. I don't know if anybody has ever done that before. Um, and immediately put together a staff that I like a whole lot and a, a list of transfers that I think is pretty good. Uh, Akron has like 10 or 11 transfers coming in, several of which are P5 guys. I think they've landed a couple of pit guys specifically. Um, the receiver uh, is it's like Jacques Lewis Shockey or something like that. Who Shocky Jock Lewis? Yeah, that's yeah. right. He he looks pretty good. I think that he's your your direct replacement for um. God, the name is escaping me right now. But uh, what is that kid's name? Wide receiver, Akron wide receiver. It's it's completely left my brain. Um, um there's not a good Akron receiver. Is there? There, there are other ones. No, there was a there really good Konata Mumfield. That's the one I was thinking of. He was. He uh, I don't remember him. Probably, he's like the fifth best receiver in the MAC. Come on, he, I, he you probably, can't get that hyped about him. He probably should have been the MAC freshman of the year though, because he was doing that. He was the fifth best receiver in the MAC as a true freshman. Um, 
And mm-hmm. despite losing him, I, I think the receiver room is still going to be pretty good. They need a quarterback. I don't know if DJ Irons is the guy there, but uh, Joe Moorhead inspires a lot more excitement about Akron than certainly you know Tom Arth did or Terry Bowden did or really anybody before that. And this is a program that I think could use the hype of any kind, just any reason to be excited about them. And, and Joe Moorhead offers that excitement. I, I think this is great for, for Akron and for the Mac and seemingly for, for Joe Moorhead, who just wants to be in the area. You know, what? I'm rooting for Akron. Uh, I'm getting the pizza at Luigi's. Mm-hmm. I'm getting the big shake at, at uh, Freddy's. And I'm I'm drinking at the bars in the Valley with 25 guys I went to high school with. Um and I'm I'm putting it on my Joe Moorhead uh, as number one T-shirt that I just bought. Yeah, yeah, I love that T-shirt. It's it's a it's a very it's a very strong T-shirt. Ryan, who's your pick here? Uh, I got Lincoln Riley mm-hmm. uh, as my favorite hire of the cycle. Digging deep. Um, here. Now you may you may say, uh, Ryan, don't you think Lincoln Riley kind of sucks? Yes. <laughs> Ryan, doesn't Lincoln Riley always lose when it matters? Yes. Ryan, doesn't Lincoln Riley seem to be totally incapable of hiring a good defensive staff, <laughs> including some of the guys he just hired again? Yes, all of that is true, Patrick. But here's the thing. <laughs> he was still the best coach available in the cycle. Yeah. Like no one got anybody better than him. Uh, he's going to, I mean, also like the upgrade of availability of talent from Oklahoma to USC is a big upgrade. Um, he's going to have his quarterback with him immediately. He's going to have his receivers with him immediately. Um, and the Pac-12 is just as easy to win as the Big 12 is, it seems like. Uh, and probably, again, offers you a higher recruiting base. So I think there's no reason to think that Lincoln Riley's not going to just go you know, basically 11 and one almost every year. So he's at Oklahoma, except he gets a fresh start and uh, he's not like thought of as the guy who can't win a playoff game anymore. And now he has a little juice again, um, which may not work. We'll see. <laughs> I don't know if it's actually going to, going to mean anything, but uh, I don't know. Compared to who everyone else who's hired as head coach this off season, I don't think there was anyone better um, hired. Sure. Do, do you, so does, would your view of this change at all if Caleb Williams doesn't end up at USC as the, the latest reports have indicated? However, I don't, I want to be clear. I don't believe those. I think he's still going to USC, but if Caleb Williams does yeah. land at Wisconsin, how does, how do you feel about this hire? Um, well, Jackson Dart hasn't picked anywhere yet, right? So Jackson Dart would just come back to USC, in which case it'd be fine. Okay, yeah. I I, I think I saw that Jackson Dart <laughs> was also looking at Oklahoma. So Oklahoma is going to land like five transfers that aren't Caleb Williams, and then he might end up coming back still. So they just have. Wait, what happened to Dylan Gabriel? Wasn't Dylan he's, Gabriel already in Oklahoma? I think he's already in Oklahoma. <laughs> it seems, so so he's just fucked. Like yeah, what happens there? I think he'd probably beat out Jackson Dart, but I also like. Is, this has mm-hmm. happened a couple times now where we have seen a school take several like kind of highly touted transfer quarterbacks i don't know what the one most recently was off several the georgia georgia did it with uh yeah. the kid from wake forest who didn't that's work right out, yes. and uh, jt yes. daniels and neither of whom played right those guys have played like four combined games for georgia yes and it's it's sort of <laughs> i don't really understand it's the transfer portal i think is obviously as we have stated before a, a good thing for the players but it seems like a lot of these guys specifically quarterbacks are very stupid and bad at picking schools mm. what are you doing going yeah. to, like why would jackson go to oklahoma what are you doing you don't need to do but that. But also the coaches are bad at picking them too. Like sure. you're Billy Napier and you're selling Florida. Why are you settling for Jack Miller? Yeah. Like right out the gates. Yeah. You could have waited just another week and gotten Jackson Dart or Dylan Gabriel or Caleb Williams. Like 15 or 20 quarterbacks better than Jack Miller. JT Daniels, who's in the portal already. And, you know, like <laughs> you. That. Yeah, yeah I, I uh, could do it. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, I don't know, man. I mean, it's because as we go over all the time head coaches aren't smart and it's not a yeah. hard job but they're really bad at it yeah like i don't um, i don't know that quarterback necessarily especially in the current game is is the place where you want to load up on talent like a ton of veteran yeah. experience ta- it seems like a good way to get both of your quarterbacks to have a complex where they don't end up playing well because they're afraid of losing their job um but i uh, think i think the problem is college football teams need a gm position like someone who yeah. actually runs the program is not the head coach the way like you have in the nfl um, because so much of it just comes to staff composition, and coaches are too dumb to be trusted that stuff. I just saw a team that was doing this. I cannot remember who it was. It, there was, I, I wish I could remember who it was, but there's a team that does have a GM position, and I think it's probably going to become a little bit more common as we go. But it's, I don't know if they're if they're actually using it like a GM or if it's just a recruiting coordinator. My my guess would be the latter. Um, but I, I think that this is something that we've we've talked a little bit about before, and I would legitimately like to see more of like veteran coaches who maybe don't quite have it anymore, but are good at hiring or are good at keeping a program 
on track or, you know, recruiting, things like that, not doing the day-to-day stuff, but running, you know, recruiting, directing, recruiting, directing hires, things like that, like Greg Schiano at Rutgers, I think would be a really good GM or, you know, maybe somebody like Mac Brown, maybe a younger version of Mac Brown that doesn't suck, but that I, I think would be a, uh, an avenue that is worth exploring for you know both younger you know with with both younger coaches who just have a good feel for that sort of thing and are are well connected or with veteran guys who just don't quite have it to run a team anymore but could still do the day-to-day behind the scenes stuff that a a program sort of needs to to really succeed yeah um i agree with all that all right i have nothing more to add all right favorite (laughs) my favorite Uh, let's move my favorite yeah. coordinator here, Texas Tech's Zach Kitley. He was most recently at Western Kentucky as the offensive coordinator. Not a real guy. Not a real guy. Um, I don't. I'll. I'll admit that I don't really love his scheme. I'm not a big air raid guy. I just don't have. I don't really have a ton of fun watching it. But I also can understand fit and can understand program need. And Texas Tech needs to run the air raid. It's, it needs to have this kind of guy at offensive coordinator, and it needs to have somebody who actually believes in this, which it didn't have under Matt Wells. Um, I think that Joey McGuire, if not a, he, I, I don't know if he's a pure air raid guy. I don't really know if he has a ton of opinions on offense, but I know that he went out and got one, um, and and one who has a proven track record now of producing air raid offenses and air raid quarterbacks. Kitley is, I believe, he was from Texas originally. He was coaching. He was coaching at um, at uh, what was it, Baptist, something Baptist, uh, in, mm-hmm, in Texas. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, my my memory is not working today, but he's he's been in the area before. I think that he's the kind of coach who will do really well at Texas Tech, and I just, as I said, I think he's a really good fit for what that program needs. There are there are some programs that just need to run a certain kind of offense or have a certain ethos to succeed, and I think Texas Tech found its with the air raid, and, and going away from that is silly, and I'm glad that they're not doing it anymore. Yeah, um, I agree. Um, I guess I don't think like they, I mean, it, it may, does make sense to them at this point, right? Because like when you have that branding, you should just lean into it. I don't think they inherently had to run the air raid to be successful. I think there were other avenues, but at this point, their best one is the air raid because of their history, because of the expectation of the program and the fan base. So I totally agree with that. Yeah. Um, my pick for a favorite hire of the cycle uh, for coordinators was Jim Knowles at Ohio State. Sure. Uh, you, know those, you know those Bucks number one, baby. You know we love the Buckeyes. Um it's, uh, I mean, look, he was the best available defensive coordinator, I think, uh, in this cycle of guys you could actually get, sure. considering how many of them went on to become head coaches or are already tied up somewhere else. Um, his defense, uh, I think, dictates uh, to offense in a way a lot of other teams are not capable of. Um, this kind of general, like the 3 3 5, 4 2 5 school, um, it has like really innovated a lot from the days of the Gary Patterson uh, uh, defense, which kind of just, you know, that weird mishmash of like, a front seven or front six disconnected from the back five yeah. Um, that was kind of more about keeping plays in front of you and was not nearly as aggressive. And it's now become like, a, it's crazy because people just see, you know, six players in the box and think it's like a light passing defense like made for the 2014 big 12 because people don't watch college football. Uh, and uh, it, it's just a very aggressive defense that has a lot of versatility. Um, you know, I think what he does, the Leo position is pretty cool. Um, I hope that uh, Ohio defensive line coach, Larry Johnson is capable of coaching to that style because to date he has not really shown that he's willing to do that, yeah. <laughs> which is concerning. There are like a lot of reports that there was a great disconnect between um, Al Washington and Larry Johnson uh, during the 2021 season. That basically those guys couldn't get along because Larry Johnson just didn't want to be told to help anyone else and wants to do his thing. Mm-hmm. Um, which I don't know. I mean, if you're the greatest college defensive line coach of all time, you may have earned that right, but it also doesn't seem like it helps the defense very much judging yep. by, you know, all of the results the last two seasons. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but I think if, if he follows what Knowles does, Ohio State's defense should be very good again, which, you know, puts the national championship in play for them. Yeah. So, well, I mean, I have, yeah, go- I, I have good news for you about that, uh, on about Larry Johnson on that front. And I don't think it's going to be a problem for very long. <laughs> I think you've got uh, maybe, good point. maybe yeah. one year of worrying about that and then you don't have to worry about it anymore. Well, um, it's a good thing they're not bringing anybody in to like train how to like, you know, handle that or like <laughs> someone who could uh, learn instead of just keeping Parker Fleming on staff. Uh-huh. I think that's a smart move. Yeah, I think it's going to work out really well. And uh, I think I'm glad they have the best special teams coach in America. Yeah. Um, well, it's important when you have, you know, an entire front seven being coached directly by one guy, uh, 
and your your defensive mm. coordinator is the linebackers coach and obviously can't take over for the defensive line coach who is absolutely not going to coach for you know the next five years or anything like that. Uh, it's a good idea and it's something that I think more teams it's should, smart, should yeah. look into. Um, and, it, and it just shows the continued great decision making of Ryan Day on staff composition and hire. It shows he definitely knows what he's doing. It's not in over his head. It's uh-huh. not just basically throwing money at guys who the media tells them are good at their jobs. Let's let's not let's not dissuade people from throwing money at people who maybe aren't aren't necessarily deserving of it. We love to get paid money that we're not <laughs> deserving of. Um, my pick here for assistant is a guy I think we talked about a little bit, but I'm going with Frank Wilson, who Brian Kelly has tabbed as his uh, I think associate associate or assistant doesn't matter. He's a running backs coach at uh, at LSU. Frank Wilson for for those of you who have read I think it was Meat Market is the book by Bruce Feldman uh, about yes, yeah about Ed Orgeron's time at Ole Miss. You know that this guy is a killer. He is an absolute killer. Um, he was at he was with Ole Miss under Orgeron. He went briefly to Southern Miss, and then he was also with Lane Kiffin at Tennessee. That staff, by the way, that Tennessee staff uh, under under Kiffin is something to behold in retrospect because I think Orgeron and Frank Wilson were assistants and they were two of like five or six just recruiting monsters. Um, but Wilson is is well known as, I would say, probably the best recruiter in the state of Louisiana. I, I think I'm pretty comfortable in saying that. Um, this guy is, a, is just a killer. He is one of the best recruiters in America at a school that is perfectly suited for his style of recruiting. Um, I don't think he really ever should have left LSU. Obviously, you got to take the UTSA job if you want to have a head coaching job. You've got to jump somewhere, um, and he did an okay job there. But I think that position coach, recruiting director, things of that nature is probably his ideal setup, and he's he's right back where he uh, where he probably should be, and that's that's dangerous for for everybody else. In the yeah, I mean, you were talking about a guy who has that dog. Yes. Uh, Frank Wilson is. Ooh, boy. <laughs> yeah, I mean. Like generally just all across the country, that that position group is somewhere where you expect a guy who might be your best recruiter on staff or at least is willing to be like the most aggressive recruiter on staff. And I mean that in a lot of ways, Uh, you know what I mean? Like, uh, you know, running back position, we're just there's so much uh, like equivalency of talent. And it's like really hard to scout those guys for traits, I think, at at the high school level, because a lot of what translates to college is something that isn't necessarily readily apparent in high school, like. And you're that big and that fast at the high school level. You don't have to have the vision or the patience that a lot of uh, a lot of running backs need to succeed. And being able to scout that is really hard. Yeah. And being able to go get it's a lot harder because when you find those guys, everyone else in the country wants them. Uh, and you also generally have to be a guy who can get other coaches in your like for areas too. You know, like I mean, like Frank Wilson will be their head on a lot of Louisiana guys and kind of be super important for them around there. Yeah. I mean, like Tony Elford is in Florida, for example, or. You know, you have coaches like this all across the country who yeah, sell this. Jawan Sider is another guy, another running back yes. coach who comes to yes. mind with me, who is just a killer. And we've on the talked trail. about last year. We talked about Huff, right, going to Marshall, yeah. but he was that guy for Saban and for James Franklin in the past. Before that, yeah, Saban is somebody who I think really was kind of on the cutting edge of this. His running backs coaches are consistently much better recruiters than they are developers of talent, which is not to say that they can't do that. But um, Wilson, I would imagine, is going to do a lot more on the trail than he is on the field, and that's perfectly valuable for LSU, which I think, you know, Brian Kelly, to his credit, did a really good job of building out a staff that doesn't single him out as being entirely, you know, out of his, uh, out of his locale, right? Like this staff makes sense in Louisiana. I think that we talked about how he would have to do that. Um, and Frank Wilson is a really good way to, to, uh, to, to get a move on with that. It, you know, the LSU is not going to walk into your living room under this group. And you're going to think like, Oh, these guys don't belong at LSU. Like Frank Wilson belongs at LSU. This is a good place for him. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And I mean, like the good news for him too, like, uh, first of all, he's in Louisiana, which is like the easiest state in the world to recruit for that program. Yeah. Uh, you know, Houston's four hours one way. Atlanta's like six hours the other way. Uh, you never have to leave that belt to recruit a running back. In your yeah. Life. I, I'll so. tell you, I would I would love to get like a Fitbit like a Fitbit style tracker on Frank Wilson's car, or just to see how often he's going to Houston and Atlanta. Yeah, like that man, yeah, he's probably sure. making the drive every single day. He's just he, he might as well just live out there. He should be coaching from uh, just coaching from Zoom or whatever. Yeah, yeah. Uh, telling telling John Emery like, "Nice cut, son." <laughs> that's, that's good stuff right there. I don't know, like, yeah. Look at the guys in that running back room. None of them can actually play running back. By the way, yeah. all the LSU running backs fucking suck. Yeah. Uh, and 
that's that's fine because they're just guys who are recruited highly and can like run real hard real fast that's mm-hmm. that's their whole that's their whole thing yeah that, like they might have Corey kiner starting in a year who's like a, an ohio low four star that notre dame and ohio state wouldn't take yeah uh <laughs> good luck yeah i, <laughs> I mean run, like whoever he brings in in this cycle is going to start next year yeah R- running back I, I'm, I'm curious if there are any other positions that stand out to you for this running back is one of those where like I think if you have a GA you trust, you can just, you know, have the coach out recruiting all the time and let the GA run that. Because it's, it's, I don't know, really know what you're going to do with the college level with these guys. They're just going to run. Like, I, I don't know if you can really, unless you have a really transcendent. You can't really teach patience. Like, it's yeah. just, it's, it's footwork matters and like blitz pickups matter. Yeah. But you can have an offensive line coach teach your running back how to do blitz pickups. Like, in fact, you arguably should. Yeah. Like, that should be something the offensive yeah, they, coordinator or, line, should, or offensive line coach is coaching. You think about some of the best pass-blocking running backs in recent years. Kyron Williams comes to mind, and we just talked to uh, we talked to your buddy Rob, right, about how they mm-hmm. kind of worked in tandem with him in the offensive line, and I think that it's something teams should look into more is practicing that, like purely as And, a, and you know who else unit. brought that up, of course, is Matt Bockworth. The same thing yeah. about Will Shipley. Yeah. Will Shipley was like asking them for tips on how to do it, which is like, yeah, that makes sense. It's what yeah. you should be doing. Yeah, you probably, just as, a, as an aside, like just uh, going forward, teams probably should just do that. Like just train the offensive line and the running back and pass pro together a lot of the time as a unit because they work as a unit. It doesn't really make sense to, right. to isolate them. Um, like the quarterback should be teaching his reads to a certain extent too, like what his keys are because that like it's the same like you see successful tandems in the NFL with like centers and quarterbacks sure. calling out you know uh, protection schemes together. Sure. Uh, you know, there's no reason a running back can't be involved in that too. Yeah. All right. Um, who's your? Who's but anyway, your that's here? a long window way. <laughs> yeah, that was long winded. Um, my my favorite hire of the cycle, uh, assistant uh, position coach rather was Kerry Combs from yes, Cincinnati. Yes, sir. Um, one of the best defensive backs coach and recent memory like you know hands down i mean the guy is a dog shit defensive coordinator one of the worst of all time yeah. uh, an absolute moron who could never do that again <laughs> in his life but uh <laughs> he's also you know among the top two or three defensive backs recruiters of all time uh you put him right there with Corey raymond um that's that's the list actually that's pretty much the list is those two yeah uh or for who's the best corner Corey, recruiter. Corey raymond also um, was hired this offseason right by, the, by florida right yeah yeah fair enough um, I think Combs is better. Uh, you know, Kerry has has five first round picks at corner. I think like three other guys drafted. Um, he's stepping into a place where he is incredibly familiar. He's going to be able to, uh, you know, he's a longtime legend of the Cincinnati community in terms of high school coaching. He'll be able to recruit in basically Cincinnati, Georgia, and Florida, which are his regions. He's an Atlanta legend uh, in recruiting. He you know he does really well in Detroit. Like this is his wheelhouse. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if he went out there and landed some blue chip guys in year one, uh, especially after sauce just went to the NFL and, and um, you know, uh, presumably Kobe Bryant's going to get drafted in the first, you know, four rounds as well. Yep. Um, Derek Forrest got drafted the year before that. Like he has a lot to work with uh, guys respect him a ton. He's a really talented coach um, for a program like Cincinnati to land a coach of this caliber and Ohio state essentially threw him away too. Uh, to hire Tim Walton, which we'll talk about soon. Don't worry. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I mean, it's a huge pickup for the Bearcats and just like a free, free money for that. Like, you know, this, like, like, I don't know, man, there's been a huge narrative that Kerry Combs, like can't, doesn't coach the defensive backs and is only a recruiter. Uh, in which case I would say, you know, why did, uh, Mike Vrabel hire him and why did he produce a top 10 pass defense in the NFL when he was, when he was in the NFL? Uh, did, why do all of his first round corners say that he's one of the best quarter coaches they've ever had? Um, I don't know. Questions Questions I don't have answers to. Yeah. Uh, I, I will also say he's not on our list. He was originally on my list, but I, I've switched it around a little bit. I want to just mention this Cincinnati staff in general, the hires that they've made, I think have been really good this offseason. I don't love um, Gino. The OC is, hire? Yeah. yeah. Is, it, is it Gino Gaduli, um, who is a quarterback? I think quarterback there. He's fine. He's okay. He's the quarterback's coach. But um, Mike Cummings, who was the offensive line coach at Central Michigan for a really long time, is fantastic. He's a very, very good offensive line coach. That offensive line was mashing this season. Um, and, uh, yeah, Luke Fickle, as it turns out, pretty good. Pretty good at hiring coaches. He's, he's got a good eye for it, um, even if he did, you know, absolutely refuse to go away from the offense that ultimately doomed him, which is to say not open enough. But it's uh, other than that, I, I have no complaints about his offensive uh, or about his, his staff hires in general this offseason. Um, I do have complaints about these hires, however, moving into the least favorite now. Uh, my head Let's coach go. my head coach here, I think people 
have a pretty good feel for what this is going to be. I think Jim Mora at UConn would be a, a decent fit as well for this. But Clay Helton at Georgia Southern, man, I just don't I don't like it. I don't like going away from the triple. Um, they've been kind of drifting away from it for several years now. I think it's a bad idea. I've written in the past about how they have never really had any success at all as a program when they've gone away from the triple. They've done it a couple times. They've had other times where they were just okay as they got further and further away from the core of it. This is one of those programs like Texas Tech that I think no matter what they want to do to try and modernize, try and get away from it, they think that the ceiling would be higher without it, um, you're stuck with it. You're stuck with the system. I'm sorry. You just have to accept your fate of going 9-3 and three or 10-2 and two every year. Get over it. You shouldn't, have, you shouldn't have come up to the FBS if you didn't want that. But Clay Helton is not going to do that. He has gone out and... and pretty much openly said as much. He has said as much with his hires. I don't think his hires have been awful, but this guy sucks. He's a shitty coach. I I mean, he managed to not do anything of interest at USC. I don't think there's any reason to think he'll do anything of interest here. And they're going away from the thing that works, which is the triple, the pure triple, which isn't that hard to hire for. I think you'd probably be able to hire for it pretty easily if you just went to Army or Navy's staff or even Air Force's staff and grabbed the offensive coordinator. It's not that hard. Those guys would take the job. Clay Helton is not deserving of of the Georgia Southern job. I think it was a ridiculous hire, um, really a country club hire by a country club athletic director, and I'm, I'm very sad to see it happen to a program that I really like and that I, I want to see do well. Yeah, uh, Clay Helton sucks. I don't think he's going to do well at all. I don't think it makes any sense. One of them, it was like a Terry Bowden ass hire. Yeah. Uh, totally baffling on all fronts. Don't get it. Um, mine is a coach who I don't even think is bad necessarily. Just I don't get why he's the guy you pick for this position. Yeah. Uh, it's Stan Drayton. Like uh, Stan Drayton, I think, is a damn good recruiter. Uh, he's the guy who both Spe- recruited. Speaking of and running backs coaches Aziz- who can recruit. <laughs> Yeah, right, right, exactly. I mean, he got Zeke Elliott and he got, uh, well, I mean, depending on how much credit you want to give him for Zeke Elliott, Kerry Combs is pretty huge there too, but yeah. uh, he got Zeke Elliott and B. John Robinson, which is not bad. Yeah, that's a, that's a good duo. <laughs> I think it's safe to say. Um, he also just is kind of a career assistant though. Like, mm-hmm. I don't know. We, we talked about there's some position groups where you kind of don't mind a position coach being hired to head coach, like offensive line is one of them. Um, but I, I, it's tough for me to say like a guy who's been, a running backs coach for 25 years and hasn't been in Philadelphia specifically like since the nineties sure. is a guy that makes a ton of sense to hire for this job. I don't really get it. Yeah. He's, um, he's got to the, be honest. he's got the flat top trying to relate to the kids. He thinks that they still really like like Will Smith. <laughs> oh yeah. Him. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. He's playing like a kid in play or something for them. He's like, you know, you guys like this shit. You're yeah. into this. Yeah. Um, no, but I mean, yeah, like a better version of this exact same archetype is Terry Smith, right? Yeah. Terry Smith is is the uh, recruiting coordinator and defensive backs coach for Penn State, uh, who was an assistant at Temple for quite a while. Um, is Penn State's <laughs> how insane is it to be Penn State's primary recruiter in both Philadelphia and Pens- and Pittsburgh? That is absurd. Yeah. Like to be that guy for Man. one school, yeah. uh, the school that is the biggest school in Pennsylvania. <laughs> like that, having that ability as a recruiter is unheard of. Yeah, uh, and you could have had that guy who's also basically just you know creates really good NFL players in his position, but doesn't have any head coaching experience. Except, just kidding. Terry Smith was a head coach for 25 years at the high school level, mm-hmm. and kind of you know has run our program before. Sandra Drayton has not been that ever. Yeah, <laughs> he was immediately went like to be a, a position coach at his like D3 university uh, after right after playing. I mean, he's just not a. I don't know. It doesn't make any sense to me. I don't get it whatsoever. Yeah, I think this is one of those where the other options are what makes this a not very good hire. Like, you look at some of the other guys they were looking at, you know, like Terry, you look at, like, even I think Elijah Robinson was tossed around for this this job. Yep. And who would have made more sense to me, too. I think he's yeah. a better recruiter than Stan Drayton is, and they have about the same amount Joe of Joe Moorhead. Yeah, Joe, yeah. <laughs> Joe Moorhead, sure. Um, I am I am curious, just for the sake of, of people who maybe aren't familiar with the area, what makes recruiting Pittsburgh and, and Philadelphia so different? Why is, it, why is that so impressive? Oh, I mean, just the one, I think from a macro view, those are arguably their two most important recruiting territories. I can say the DMV is in the top three of that, but being the main guy in two of your three biggest cities for one team uh, (laughs) is not really something anyone does. You know what I mean? Like every school spreads their guys out, right? You have like, you know, you have a guy for Atlanta, you have a guy for Miami, you have like, you you have a guy for the Tampa Orlando region. Like you spread those guys out having one dude, like it's, it's like if, 
Miami's, or, or let's say, let's use Florida, for example, right? If like Florida's top recruiter for Tampa and Miami were the same guy, yeah, that's what it would be like, basically. Obviously, there's okay. not as many recruits, so it's a little bit different. But, um, you know, uh, it, the, the dynamics in Pittsburgh, too. Pittsburgh is a smaller state than Philadelphia, of course. It's also a little more centralized um, in, in the sense that the relationships are a little bit older, right? You know what I mean? Like the, sure. the head coach is a little more important. It's a little more similar to traditional recruiting, whereas Philly is like as dirty recruiting as dirty gets <laughs> and uh, guys get recruited to different high schools, whether it's like Amani or Roman Catholic or uh, St. Peter's or all these different, or, not St. Joe's, sorry. Um, you know, all these different schools, they bounce around a lot. Um, it's different. It's a different kind of recruiting. It's, it's more like similar to recruiting a Baltimore or a Houston. Yeah. Uh, and to be able to excel at both of those just means you're a really fucking good recruiter. And you have a ton of contacts that make this make you very good at this job. I see. Um, I don't know. That's my opinion. Okay, so it's basically what I'm hearing is it's like saying I'm the Nashville and Memphis recruiter, or I'm the I'm yeah the Houston right and, exactly and, yeah. yeah I'm the Houston and Dallas recruiter. It's like well, those are very <laughs> very different places to be recruited. Different challenges. Yes. Very okay. different challenges. That yeah. makes sense. Um, my coordinator pick is Jim Svoboda, who is at I believe Central Missouri. He is the new Tulane offensive coordinator, um, and he is our friend Jeff's dad. <laughs> yes, he's our friend Jeff's dad. Um, no, my issue here with Jim Svoboda is that he's a fucking air raid guy and willie fritz keeps doing this why does he keep doing this my man hates the option now he doesn't want to do it he doesn't want to do the spread option he wants to go out and hire passing offensive coordinators um jim spavota's central missouri team wasn't even good they were they were like four and seven this year they just threw the hell out Bums. of the ball they threw the hell out of the ball couldn't run even a little bit i think they averaged like a hundred a hundred rushing yards a game um i'm sick of this i'm tired of this shit what is wrong with willie fritz who who has hurt my boy? What did they do to him? Why did he go away from the thing that got him this job? Uh, I'm sick of it. I don't want to see this anymore. Yeah, um, I couldn't agree more. It doesn't make any sense. Bad hire. Yeah. Um, mine is DJ Durkin of Texas A&M, mm-hmm. um, who is a real piece of shit, right? Just a huge fucking <laughs> yeah, loser. Yeah, just big time asshole. Also isn't good at coaching defense anymore either, which makes it tough. Yeah. <laughs> uh, his oldest defense was fucking terrible. And he killed a guy uh-huh. and he's like an Urban Meyer disciple. Uh, it doesn't make any sense. Like, and why would you not, if you're going to hire someone who's a fucking prick, why wouldn't he be good? Yeah. The, there's like with, with him specifically, you also have the, the added fact of he was a, his whole thing at Michigan and, and to an extent at Florida was that he was a really good recruiter and you pretty much can't take him out on the recruiting trail now because he killed a kid. You can't, sell that that's a bad that's a bad guy to have walk in the living room because you would just spend the entire time asking questions you know the parents would would be asking questions hey why'd you kill that kid are you going to kill my kid is that something i need to worry about and that's not really i don't think what texas a&m is going for on the recruiting trail so you're you're hiring a a, essentially a non-recruiting coach who sucks at coaching what what are we doing here what is the point yeah it makes no sense it makes absolutely no sense stupid um, tired of it. Tired of these bums. Yeah. All right, who's your uh, who's your least favorite position coach? Um, I'm gonna go with Traveris or Tra- I think it's Traveris Tillman, who was the cornerbacks coach at Michigan State. He was a Mel Tucker guy for a couple years. Was a defensive assistant at Georgia under him, and then at Colorado. Um, now he is the defensive backs coach at Georgia Tech. I don't think I need to give a ton more details on him. He was the cornerbacks coach at Michigan State last year. If you watch Michigan State, you know why that's a bad thing. Um, I don't know. I mean, he, he might be a decent recruiter. He's going back home. He coached. He played at Georgia Tech originally. Um, he was a. I, I didn't actually know this. He was a second round pick. He played back in the back in the late nineties. But like, he can't coach. He's not a very good football coach. And I don't really know if Georgia Tech is in a position to be hiring bad football coaches right now. Um, Michigan State's cornerbacks were probably the worst at the Power Five level by, I would say, actually a decent margin. Um, this is bad. This is a dumb hire. Absolutely, it is um, beyond the shadow of a doubt. Um, Georgia Tech just not a well-run football program, just not a serious program. Yeah, yeah, which is funny because my guy is actually all, my my guy assistant is actually also at Georgia Tech, but we're going to get to him in a little bit. Um, mine is Tim Walton at Ohio State. I was already bitching about this hire, essentially, um, but Tim Walton, uh, why are you hiring a guy who has not been in a college coach since the nineties? 
to replace Kerry Combs. So Ohio State hired two defensive backs, right? Perry Eliano, yep. the coach from uh, Cincinnati, who is, He's good. you know, yep. if Kerry Combs and Corey Raymond aren't the best defensive backs coach in college football, uh, Perry Eliano was, yep. right? They it moved him from coaching corners where he had the Thorpe Award winner and the number one best corner in the draft, two mm-hmm. different guys. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> uh, two different guys. And at this Cincinnati, is, I, I want uh, yeah, I was going to say, I want to ask real quick. This is at Cincinnati, you say, huh? This is Cincinnati. <laughs> moving him away from coaching corners, moving him to coach safeties instead. And they're bringing in Tim Walton, who again has not coached in college since the 90s. I don't think he was even really good in the NFL. Like, you know, there's fine. that one Jalen Ramsey quote going around. Don't care about it. Yeah. Does not matter to me. Um, uh, and a guy who's basically not had a good unit in quite a while. And now you're bringing him into coach corners and to replace Kerry Combs, who is maybe the best corners coach in all the country. Mm-hmm. If I would have had, hmm, would you rather pick like Kerry Combs and Perry Aliano or Perry Aliano and Tim Walt? Like, it seems like a fucking easy choice. Yeah. I, I'm going to guess. And, and you might honestly know more about this than I do. I'm going to guess that Kerry Combs was not particularly interested in sharing the spotlight with Perry Eliano. Yeah. I mean, well, the answer is that basically he wouldn't give Ryan Day an answer, uh, yeah. which, and I get why Ryan Day had to make a move, but the reason he wouldn't give you an answer and was like dragging his feet on the whole thing is because you spent like several months publicly embarrassing him being a fucking prick. Sure. Uh, and then like offered him a pay cut to return. <laughs> There is no need, especially if you're not bringing another guy to, to be a co-DC under Knowles, to keep Kerry with the title. Who gives a shit? Let him yeah. keep the title. Let him keep the salary. You have more money than fucking God. Ohio State prints money every year. They're not hurting for cash. Just change his position role and bring and give him the same title. Why yeah. would you care about that? Yeah, you can even make one up. They've done it with everybody else on the staff. You can say he's right. the director yeah, like of it, passing it, game <laughs> defense or something like that. Um. Um, yeah, I mean, it doesn't make any sense, right? Yeah. Um, but, um, yeah, you know, I, I don't know, I'm, man, whatever. I, I'm, excited for, I'm excited for the next Ohio State hi- head coach to hire Kerry Combs back and then, like, pants him on live television so that they can continue. <laughs> they just fucking hate this they guy. They can continue the tradition of bringing Kerry Combs in and then bullying him until he leaves. Like, every Ohio State coach, like, each of the last two have done that. They just... <laughs> torment Kerry Combs until he's forced to leave. It's a uh, it's an interesting strategy. I don't I don't really know yeah, why you're and, doing and that. I know it's been reported that like basically like Chris Ash, who spent like spent like two years telling the media that Kerry Combs sucks and is an idiot or something. Yeah. Uh and uh you know who doesn't think that is Mike Vrabel who, you know, uh hired him to coach in the NFL where if I'm recalling correctly, Patrick, you don't get to recruit. No, not usually. So hmm. something to who think do you about. think is a better coach? Chris Ash or uh uh, Mike Vrabel, in your opinion? Well, it's it's impossible to say. They they did both lose uh, to the Bengals this season, I would assume. I don't know if the Jaguars played the Bengals, but uh, they did both lose to the Bengals, and so we have to take that into account. It's impossible to say beyond that. Hmm. Um, big Bengals guy over here. How big are you bang, big Bengals guy over here. I, I think I could. I think I could shift pretty easily into being a Bengals guy. I don't think anybody really wow. knows. I don't, I don't think really anybody well, knows. Fucking, my, fucking uh, fall of Rome over there in Cleveland, <laughs> man. I remember. I remember. Or just a uh, you know a scant few weeks ago when you guys would tell me you marched for the Super Bowl. There uh, was what a time! A few All weeks right, ago. Who's your guy, Patrick? I, I have been <laughs> I've been dead since September. I don't know what we're talking about here. Uh, my guy at head coach is on is John Sumrall at Troy. Um, he should have been the hire originally back a couple years ago when they hired Chip Lindsey to replace. Um, oh God, what's his name? The head coach at uh, Neil Brown when they hired Chip Lindsay to replace Neil Brown, but they did it now. They, they went and got him. I think he was the linebackers coach and maybe defensive coordinator under Brown. Originally Kentucky ended up nabbing him instead. He was there for the last couple of years. This is the, I think probably ideal Troy head coach. I would say he's a very good recruiter. He's defensive minded. He understands the program. He has been there before, as I said, under Neil Brown, he's just good. He's, he's solid. And I don't think he's going to embarrass Troy like Chip Lindsay did. Um, I think that he will get it right back to where it was, which is nine or ten wins. The Sun Belt really needs a third or fourth team, and I think Troy absolutely could be that pretty quickly under John Summerall. I really, really like him. I'm very glad that they did the right thing here and went and got him instead of trying to get another Chip Lindsay or something of that sort. Yeah, um, I think he makes a lot of sense. I think it's, like you said, a guy who's very familiar with kind of the area around this program and what it takes to win here, um, which is something you can't discount when you're talking about this kind of this kind of position. Yeah. Um, I had Rhett Lashley at SMU for mine. 
Um, in the sense that, as you know, we have gone on to be Crusaders uh, against Dykes. He is on her against, I should clarify, Sunny Dykes, mm. not, um, <laughs> <laughs> not the rest of them. Um, <laughs> whoops. Um, <laughs> uh, we, were, we are talking a lot about Euphoria today, huh? Oh. Um, but, all right, anyway, um, you know. SMU, uh, SMU needs a, a coach who can essentially put up a lot of fucking points, recruit really well, yeah. uh, and more strictly recruit quarterbacks. Uh, Rhett Lashley uh, is the only reason Miami was above 500 the last two years. Um, and uh, mm-hmm. he's a damn good coach, I think. I think he makes a lot of sense there. Uh, I think it's possible that SMU can just, you know, re- crank up the spending and whip TCU's ass pretty fast. Yeah. Sonny Dyke's a good coach. But uh, SMU's infrastructure is way better than TCU's. And the fact that he chose to leave is insane to me. It makes literally no sense. Yeah. Uh, TCU is not spending money like that. No. And I, I think Rhett Lashley is also, and this is a this is a, an intangible thing, but it's just a, a feeling. I think Rhett Lashley is cool. I don't think Sonny Dykes is especially cool. And so I think that in the NIL era, having a cool coach, just a coach who's, who's you know, hanging out, having a good time is a, is a, a valuable thing. I don't picture Sonny Dykes as hanging out very often. I don't picture him as having a good time. And I think Rhett Lashley, Not a show guy. I think Not Rhett a Lashley cool guy. can have a good, can have a good time. Um, he's had a really weird career. What a, what a strange path he has taken to the job that seems to fit him correctly. But I mean, he was at Auburn, he was at UConn, he was at Miami. Um, I think SMU is a good place for him. I, I agree that this is a good hire. Um, Next up here, my coordinator, uh, Patrick Tony at Florida. I'm sad to see him go from, go from Louisiana. I would have liked to see him get the job there, but uh, this guy's a killer. This guy's a fantastic defensive coordinator. I think he's the co-defensive coordinator at Florida, which I don't love, but I'm sure he'll have plenty of, of input. He goes with Billy Napier to Florida. It was it was kind of it seemed like he wasn't going to for a little bit there, but he's great. I don't know how he is a, as a recruiter, but as a pure football coach, I love what he does schematically. I love what his defense has looked like the last couple of years. I think he's going to do a really good job at Florida. I think Florida is going to really enjoy having a defense that doesn't suck total shit, which is you know obviously what they've been dealing with the last couple of years. I agree. Um, on the other hand, I, my, my guy for, for coordinator is a guy whose position, who, who's a uh, side of the ball does suck shit. Yeah. Uh, I like him despite that. I'm picking Joe Rudolph of Virginia tech. Um, I'm personally glad Joe is leaving Wisconsin because <laughs> I think it'll be nice to see, look, it's pretty easy to blame Joe Rudolph, but Paul Chris is the head coach, right? Like Paul yeah. Chris dictates what they're doing. And Paul Chris is not a good recruiter. I don't think he's a very smart coach. He doesn't really run a program very well. He just has a lot of institutional support at sure. Wisconsin. Yeah. Uh, and Joe Rudolph is one of the best offensive line coaches in the country. Um, I think he's a damn good recruiter. I don't think he can call plays for anything, and I hope he has someone else doing that. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but I do like him and support him, uh, and I support all enemies of Paul Chris, who I do not like, and I think yeah. he's a dipshit, as I've talked about many times. Um, Paul Chris is uh, he's a system coach. He's cookie-cutter. Um, he does not have that dog in him. Yeah. Uh, he's the sweatshirt, dude. He's the fucking sweatshirt. One of the biggest nerds losers of all time. Do not like Paul Christ. I, I want an anti-Paul Christ crusader. Yeah, and I, I think that also just as a little tidbit, I think you'll enjoy this. Do you know who the new Wisconsin offensive line coach is? No, who they hire? It's Bob Bostad, who was the inside linebackers coach at Wisconsin for the last couple of years. Um, for not some, serious, just not for, a serious. For program. some reason, because he was the offensive line coach there from 2008 to 2011, and then they brought him back as the linebackers coach. Unreal! What, what is going on? Again, out just there? just not a serious football program. <laughs> Wisconsin is still playing like it's 1993, where you just swap coaches from side of the ball to side of the ball based on whatever you need. Like, oh well, Larry Coker's our quarterbacks coach this year. I know he was the defensive backs coach last year, but we need him on the other side of the ball this year. Very strange, strange stuff they've got going on out there. Um, my, not a fan. Yeah, my final guy here is assistant coach Mike Daniels at Georgia Tech. I, I mentioned earlier that I have one hire at Georgia Tech I really like and one that I don't like. This is the one that I like. He was most recently the running back coach. I want to get this right, make sure that I'm not saying the wrong school here. Um, he was at Buffalo. Yeah, yeah. He, was, he was at Buffalo. He was the running back's coach at Buffalo, uh, produced, among others, Jarrett Patterson and Kevin Marks. I, I'm willing to say he's very good. I'm, willing, I'm, I'm confident and willing to say that he is a very good position coach. Um, I think he's probably a little bit more of a technician at running back's coach than, than we have talked about in you know the, the the previous picks that we've had on this episode, which is, I think, fine. I think Georgia Tech probably needs really good coaches right now more than it needs really good recruiters. I 
both would be nice to have, but also they're a little bit fucked with the actual development of their players. Um, I'm curious to see if Dylan McDuffie follows him, because Dylan McDuffie is in the transfer portal. He was the running back at Buffalo this season. Ran for 1,000 yards as a true freshman. I don't really know why Kevin Marks didn't play a whole lot, but Dylan McDuffie did. He's in the transfer portal. I would really like to see him at Georgia Tech. I think that he's a talented player and would give them a pretty immediate boost, and Mike Daniels is the new coach there, and I, I think that that would make a lot of sense. I, also, I like we should Mike just Daniels. shout out Daniels for being one of the just the absolute top strivers and climbers in the sport. Like, sure. Just absolutely nakedly ambitious, which you have to appreciate. <laughs> yeah, yeah, um, we do love Guys that. are just flipping jobs every year or like every, you know, 11 months. That's cool. Yeah, nothing um, wrong with that. He's also, he's also Paris Johnson Jr.'s stepdad. Uh, huh? I don't know that. <laughs> what? <laughs> are you serious? You don't know that? No. Oh yeah, dude. He's the former head coach at Cincinnati Princeton. Uh, he's Paris Johnson Jr. of Ohio, the highest the Ohio State starting left tackle this coming season. It's his stepdad. Um, yeah, he's married to Monica Johnson, huh. Paris's mom. I had no idea. Yeah, he's, he's um, always good yeah, when he coached. Oh, go ahead. Go ahead. No, so he coached Jaheim Thomas and um, uh, the other guy, Darian Henry Young, uh, okay. in high school. Uh, he coached Paris for a season. Hmm. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> sure. Yeah. I, I, I think that, uh, so he did not produce, he, never mind. He did not produce Jared Patterson, but he did coach Kevin Marks and he did coach, uh, he did coach Dylan McDuffie. Um, mm-hmm. Also always good sign when the second paragraph of your bio at your new school is, it starts with called fast ri- rising and well-regarded by football school. <laughs> <laughs> that's, mm, that's well, an let's interesting. He, he is a guy, I can tell you from my interactions with him, very nice guy. I like him a lot, Yeah, but definitely a guy who knew from the minute, like he, he got in coaching that he was trying to like use the media to get, uh, to advance in the job. And well, good I, for him. I have, a, I have just it's very po- easy to do. Yeah. yeah. The media is not hard to, I make, have, like, I'll tell you, Mike Daniels. I have just the podcast for you if you want to use the media to advance your career. I've, I've, there's <laughs> open invitation for a specific podcast that will allow you to do that. We'll get him on. I'll, I'll hit him up. Okay, we're still friends. Uh, I probably shouldn't promise that on the air, but we'll, we'll see. <laughs> yeah, that, you you heard it here first, folks. Mike Daniels coming on the show next week. <laughs> My guy, yeah, uh, is Harry Heastan Notre Dame, by the way. Um, in my opinion, the best offensive line coach in college football for the last like decade plus. Sure. He has not been in college football in a few years now. Um, he left uh, Notre Dame to go to the Chicago Bears a few years back and then um, didn't coach the last two seasons uh, after leaving the Bears. Yep. Um, he maintained an apartment in South Bend that entire time. Uh, people don't know that. I think his kid went to Notre Dame still. Um, he beat the shit out of Ohio State in the recruiting trail. Took a lot of Ohio kids from them. Uh, with the reports that <laughs> Justin Fry doesn't really recruit, good luck. Uh, you better you better have a little dog in you if you want to beat Harry He's Stanford in state kids. Otherwise, it's going to be Greg Stadrava 2.0. Yeah. Uh, we'll see how this goes. Well, the good news is that all of the uh, good recruits within Ohio have left the state, and there are no more jobs in the state, so there are no more good players. So it doesn't matter. You don't you can't lose in it's state tough. battles if there are no in state recruits. Um, it's the, tough. We're recruiting uh, the Intel corporate football team. Yes. Uh, <laughs> um, so those are our guys. Those are our picks. I think that it was a uh, certainly an interesting offseason cycle. It was probably one of the more active ones, certainly at head coach, the other positions. I don't know if I would say as active. Um, so we were going to do the reading series here today, but we're going to actually, we're going to push it to next week because we had, too, I would say, too many takes. We had too many coaches to talk about. Um, so we are, we're going to move that. We will do it. We will get to it, but Ryan's got to run. Um, you can follow the show at field flipping on Twitter. I'm at Patrick underscore Mayhorn. He's at B1G underscore Ryan. Um, I, I don't think we have anything else to plug. Ryan, do you have anything else? No, no, I do have a little project that I actually haven't told Pat about yet, but we're going to have in the podcast sometime soon. Okay. Uh, so keep an eye out for that once I tell Patrick about it. <laughs> okay. Looking forward to that. Um, and we're looking forward to talking to you guys again next week. We'll, we'll, uh, we'll see you then.